Hello all, welcome to Chicago Justice Show. I'm your host, Tracy Siska. You can find out more about all our work and the Chicago Justice Project at chicagojustice.org. And if you're looking to get involved, cjpnation.org. Thank you all for tuning in. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you for listening. Once again, for those watching us live, you can comment or leave a question in any of the platforms you're seeing us broadcast on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, and um, for inclusion in the show, hopefully. Um, Okay, so let's get right to it. First segment is on... It's a story from WTTW, and the headline is Chicago Records Deadliest September Since Early 1990s, Police Data Shows. Okay, now they're just wrong on so many fronts. The ability to understand crime data, it's something that misses a lot of reporters. Okay, so we're going to go piece by piece through the article. So you can see what I'm talking about. You have to understand that most reporters don't get it. And they misuse it and they misunderstand it. Misuse the stats all the time. First of all, all right, so they, you'll understand and I'll talk about it in a little bit. How they switch the stats they're comparing them to to fit their purposes. Like what are they comparing these things to? Right? This, excuse me, this month of September, too. Also remember, they're doing this in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. Still, that we're in the middle of. Delta's starting to trend down a little bit, but we're still right in the midst of it. All right, let's get to it. From the article, with 89 homicides recorded, Chicago experienced its deadliest September in nearly 30 years, according to new data from the Chicago Police Department. Hmm, yeah, but because they don't understand data use, it's actually worse. Well, what do you mean? So we're September in 30 years. That puts us in early 90s. You don't think medical advances have gone anywhere in the last 30 years? That's why it's hard to compare era to era. And it's an obsession, uh, 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 almost a fetish from reporters to do this because they're easy stories to do. Look, numbers up, down, good, bad, easy, good quote, done. So the reality is if this was the deadliest in 30 years, it's probably the deadliest in a much longer period of time. Because there's, odds are, don't know how you prove this, but I would say odds are there are people that got to the hospital in 2021, in September, that would have died, survived now, but would have died 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So then how exactly do you compare, especially when you're trying to compare whether or not um, the criminal justice system is good or bad or how epically bad it is? Very hard. Next. September's 89 homicides are the highest total for that month since 1992 when there were 109 killings, police data shows. Since then, only two other single Septembers topped 80, 2020 and 1993. Okay. 
First of all, is there a big difference between 79 and 80? Is 80 a magic number? Next, what does one September have to do with another? Mm-hmm. Can you answer? It's the way we have been indoctrinated to believe how you assess and evaluate police departments by these numbers. And the media just can't get enough of it. What does what September have to do with another? Once again, you can't. It's pandemic. You can't compare what's going on in 20 and what happened in 20 and what is going on in 2021 to any other year before. There just isn't the same social context. And much to the chagrin of the haters, the alt-right on the internet and elsewhere, 2008 and 2009, as much as that was massive financial instability, it's nowhere near the stability instability of now. Nowhere near. And they want to compare and say this, they're just wrong. They're just wrong. Now, we're going to go on, but now they're comparing, they flip, and they compare this September to last September. They're talking about, okay, um, this year, hold on. Homicide total is already more than Chicago recorded through the entirety of 18 or 19 and marks a 4% increase over the first nine months of 2020. Okay. It's, first of all, of course, we don't want any crime or violence, no doubt about it. So we would always want a reduction, right? But we're not always going to get one. Any victim, too much. Any single victim is too many victims. However, is a 4% increase, as bad as September was this year, is a 4% increase from year to year that outrageous and is it i don't haven't done the the major statistical analysis to prove this but is it four percent statistically significant one two three i guess three by chance is, is it just by chance that we have more deaths this year than last did the ambulance take the wrong block did someone wait an extra minute to call an ambulance and someone bled out? Did the hospital they take them to be backed up? I mean, there's all kinds. Did the bullet, instead of hitting them in the arm, hit, hit the person in the chest? I mean, there's all kinds of this purely by coincidence, purely by luck or bad luck, can determine whether someone lives or dies. Next. Shootings up more than 10% this year over last, with 3,419 shooting victims from 2,700 incidents thus far this year. Okay. Now this, once again, they're comparing year to year. Can't do that now. Can't do that with any of what's going on any of the time. However, 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 you're getting closer to reality when you deal with shootings. 
as much as the, there's a fetish and obsession, and I understand it because it's, it's terminal, that we have it with these homicides. The reality is that there's so many factors about someone lives or dies. The actual, the moment you are realizing that the criminal justice system or a society or whatever has failed is the moment the trigger gets pulled and the bullet leaves the gun. That's it. That's when it happens. Whether someone lives or dies should not be a calculus we use to determine whether or not the police department are doing good or bad or the justice system or society is because the reality is unless we're checking the medical system or the police response to shootings and then how quickly do they get to them, how quickly they get them to the hospital, right? Other than that, nada. Why? Because police have almost nothing to do with whether someone lives or dies. They don't. The real number of shootings. Now, why are you, why in the beginning of this, um, story here they were looking at the numbers the deadliest number since 19 deadliest september since 1992 why don't they do that with shootings the reality is we have no idea how many shootings there were in the 90s or 2000s up until around 2012 or 13 or 14 or 15 one of those numbers when the media started keeping track of every shooting because the police department didn't and basically no police department around the country does because the fbi's uniform crime report doesn't mandate it they capture data in a different way there is no crime category shooting and the police didn't want to keep track of that number. That said, that's, if you're going to use a number, you should never use one number, but if you are, if you had to, shootings is it. It isn't homicides. The media can't stop with the homicides. But that ain't really the number you want to be looking for. Um, you want to be looking at shootings. You want to look at if the criminal justice system and society are operating correctly, the reality is, our ability to reduce the number of shootings over time should be the goal. You want homicides reduced, obviously, but you also want injuries reduced. Also, you also want chances of anyone dying or getting hurt reduced. And the way you do that the best is prevent the shootings. Now, we can talk about what prevents shootings. We can tell you what doesn't prevent shooting. Long sentences, incarceration, mass incarceration doesn't. Don't be fooled by the alt-right in Chicago. Don't be fooled by the alt-right who are listed as Democrats. This is not, um, that is not the way. Um, so in the reality is, I want to get back to the shootings for one second. They don't know, we don't know how many shootings there were in Chicago in the early 90s. So I think we top out at somewhere around 980, 990, 95, 89, something like that murders in the early 90s during the quote-unquote crack wars. Um, we could deal with that terminology later. The reason we don't, they just didn't capture it. So when you see like, oh my God, the shootings are worse than last year. Okay, but how, how does that place in the historical context? We really don't know. In shootings, you wouldn't necessarily would be more genuine in that you wouldn't have to worry about medical advances affecting how the homicide numbers. Right? Whether someone lives or dies, you're just worried about the gun. Now, how a shooting gets captured is another thing. I've done enough. I've, I was on a ride-along for grad school in Austin. We went from shooting scene to shooting scene to shooting scene, and no one was there. And no one collected evidence of a shooting. No one looked for a shooting. No one answered the phone again. No one, no one was home at the houses. Was that a shooting? Wasn't it? It gets very complicated, and it seems the media makes it seem like it's more um, common and easy to do than they think. Okay, let's move on to segment two.
this segment, I'll put a screen for our podcast audience, is a tweet from Chip Mitchell at WBEZ. I'll read it for you. Chicago had more murders during the month, the month that ended last night, than any September since 1992, the city's most violent year during the crack epidemic. CPD reported today that the month's murder totals, murders totaled 89, up from 81 last September. Okay, now, before we get to part two of this, shootings are up, so that's the issue. But if you just look at the murders, could have eight people just died differently by chance because they got hit somewhere differently than the people than the previous year? Yeah, that's where the problem is when you get to 89 versus 81. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying there's a little more context around whether or not there's actually major differences. Once again, the shootings show this. There are a pretty good amount of shootings that are that have increased over last year. Here's um, tweet three of three. Number two isn't really relevant to us as much, but I want to talk about this one a bit. A police, according to, this is the tweet, a police statement about September crime says the department is going after gangs that drive violence through the illicit drug trade. But some experts say most of Chicago's gun violence stems from interpersonal disputes, not gang violence. The reality is, ladies and gentlemen, police will use gang violence to categorize crime that one you should not care about the victims because if they're gang related if they're gang members you don't you shouldn't care about them that's code it's also a way of finding a um finding someone to blame pointing fingers at this mythical gang thing out there and and not disempowering efforts to to build social responses to prevent shootings, right? If you cannot adequately and correctly define the problem, you cannot craft a solution. I mean, that's not rocket science, right? The police department forever has been using gang-related as a term of scaring the public to get more resources, to signal to people watching the news that they should not care about the victims. They're less than. Three, having a boogeyman to point fingers at. And it's not their fault for preventing it. It's gang violence. What do you want us to do? All of that is true. I remember years ago when I was at the University of Illinois Chicago pursuing my PhD, I was taking my PhD classes. Wes Skogan, a professor at Northwestern's Center for something that I can't remember right at the moment. But he gave a speech. He had an unpublished paper. He was getting, getting some BS award from one of his friends that he worked with. Um, um, and it's just not BS it is. It was, he got the award from um, Dennis Rosenbaum. Dennis Rosenbaum was married to Susan Hartnett, 
who worked with uh, um, who worked with West Gogan at Northwestern. I mean, it's so so uh, insidious there, little connections. So, anyways, Wes Wes is getting an award for some BS um, that he did. Not a fan of Wes's work by any stretch. Um, he likes the police way, 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 way too much. But anyway, so does Dennis Rosenbaum, so does Susan Hartnett. Um, he gives a speech, and it's about gangs and gang-related violence and everything. And I asked Wes how um, how do the police department how do they determine whether something's gang related? What's the criteria? What's the process? And Wes said, and please don't fall out of your seats. And if you're driving, please don't make any, you know, um, harsh turns because I don't want you to uh, get injured. Wes said Chicago Police Department has a very sophisticated and rigorous methodology and process for determining whether something's gang related. Yep, he said that. Hilarious. Hilarious. If nothing else, the Office of the Deputy Inspector General for Public Safety that I helped create, it was my idea to create it. If nothing else, that office, especially over the last year or two, has proven the Chicago Police Department, the administration of Chicago Police Department is completely and utterly broken and morally bankrupt. They are. They just can't possibly, to save their life, capture data in a reliable way and then find a way to share it. Our lawsuit is still going three and a half years on FOIA violations. It's mind-boggling how bad they are at this. And this is now a few years later, West, you know, a few years prior to this, West Gogan is talking about, they have a very sophisticated way of determining gang-related. Nothing in the police department sophisticated. Even with the good people in there, most of the departments are a bunch of clowns tripping over each other. The administration, the supervisory is horrible. They have no ability to determine and regulate what they turn over related to subpoenas, whether or not it's properly done or not. The state's attorneys don't trust the subpoena section so badly that when it's an important case or a case of violence, they force the detectives to come in and bring the whole case file in paper to the office so they can photocopy it. It's broken. 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 And West Gogan is like, oh, we know. The CPD doesn't. It's a political term. They use it for political purposes. They have no idea, I don't think, what are gang-related and what are interpersonal conflicts. It's very important to figure that out. Hmm. I wonder if someone could propose a, a vehicle for doing just this. I wonder. Check back November, December. CJP may have a policy proposal for this to change how things are done in the city specifically related to this. Now, also, here's a tough question. Um, and if you got answers, you can put them up or send them to me. If gang member A is dating, let's just take uh, an easy one. Gang members being the males, females uh, being the person they're dating. Gang member A is dating a girl. Gang member, she moves out of gang member A's area. She moves into gang member B's area because her mom got a new job or her parents got a new job, whatever it is. 
and gang member A goes to go over to gang member to the girlfriend girlfriend A's house and um, new house and he sees girlfriend his girlfriend or um, talking to interacting with kissing gang member B they get into a beef there's a shooting is the shooting gang related now if your horror is with inside the police department and inside the mayor's office that's gang related gang related gang related gang related because you want this amorphous nether nether willed thing you want that to blame you don't want to if it's interpersonal then there are issues right like why are people in your city getting into beefs and then their shootings the reality is knowing that though knowing that reality would allow social service agencies to craft responses uh better to intervene in these things but politics almost always wins out and let's get to that it's a perfect segue for our third segment to wbez story and patrick smith the agency that investigates chicago police shootings is being underfunded yet again okay now i was in on the, i was in on the room the various rooms that were negotiating this this uh, COPA and the Deputy Public Safety Inspector General, DPSIG, was created out of, originally out of the Fair Cops Ordinance that was written by Fair Cops Legislation, written by Community Renewal Society. It came to the Chicago Coalition of Police Accountability. Then we pushed it together. There were a lot of people involved in pushing it. The DPSIG came from me. That idea of an auditor's office came from me. I gave it to Community Renewal Society. I helped write the thing with them. All right. So with that background, I was in the room when they were talking budgets and all this stuff about this, these two agencies, or the agency in, this, in the DPSIG office. I really don't know why anyone would vote again for Mayor Lightfoot. I really don't know. So let's get to the article. The recommended police budget for the next fiscal year is more than $1.7 billion. The amount budgeted for COPA, meanwhile, is under $15 million, millions short of the 1% requirement. City budget documents contend that the budget is still within the law because of so-called fringe benefit costs like health care and pension payments. However, those fringe costs do not factor into the CPD budget amount used to set the floor as 1%. So do you like that BS? And this is under Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Police Accountability Task Force, Police Board President, uh, COPA uh, Chief Administrator, or not COPA, um, uh, the Office of Professional Standards Leader, I don't know who the, what, the, what the title was. So here's what they're doing. The police department gets about $1.7 billion. That would mean $17 million for COPA. But the mayor's only giving COPA, and this is what Mayor Rahm Emanuel did. They're only giving like $15 million or just under $15 million, right? And then they're saying costs for like healthcare and stuff, if you would add that all in, it gets to around $17 million. So you see, we're right there. Okay, well, you don't add in the pension costs and the health care costs for the CPD and the CPD's budget, because then how much would you jack that up? $100 million, $200 million, $300 million? No, 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 no. We don't, they don't do that. Of course not. Because this is how utterly cor corrupt and morally bankrupt this city is. And again, what has changed under Mayor Lori Lightfoot? What is the difference? All right, let's get to the next piece of the article. COPA's interim chief administrator, Andrea Kirsten, did respond to Ramirez Alderman, it's Alderperson Ramirez Rosa's questions during Thursday's hearing, telling him she was aware of the issue. I think there are questions about the way that, that the calculation is done. 
And those questions are certainly things that I am willing to address more fully. The hell does that mean? But Kirsten said for this year, she was getting all the money in her budget that she requested. Okay. Fire her. Fire her. Fire her. The agency is not independent enough if they're not always asking for more resources. Her goal is to empower that agency to the max to do its job. It is not to bring it under some bullshit budget number that the mayor gave them. She's not supposed to give a shit about what the mayor thinks. And this is why the previous um, chief administrator, Cindy Roberts, also horrible. Thank God she's gone. She should have never been hired, to be honest with you. Um, you have to go. Your job is to keep the agency operating at maximum level. They can't do that. They don't have enough money. Who in the hell would say the police accountability system has enough money in Chicago? Lightfoot must think it because he shortened them $2 million. It's unbelievable. Back to the article quickly. There are 31 open positions at COPA, which represents just over, I'm assuming, 20% of the COPA staff, 20% of the police accountability agency investigating police misconduct in Chicago are open. What the hell is going on there? When the only people speaking up were the Socialist Caucus of the City Council, it means no one of the rest of the City Council gives a shit about police accountability. That's the bottom line. There's nothing else you could take from that interaction is that the City Council doesn't care. They don't care. They're going to cry and whine and complain when the next officer shoots and kills a black person, man, woman, child, for no reason, or beats them, or gets caught stealing and robbing and kidnapping like SOS, it's not if it's going to happen, it's when. The Chicago Police Department is always on the clock for a massive, unprecedented scandal because they're broken, their training stinks, their management stinks, their record management is horrible, their data collection is horrible. doesn't mean everyone in it is horrible, it means as a system it's horrible. There are some great people in there. The system sucks. They're heading straight for their next one. They may even be accelerating towards it given the circumstance of the city right now. And the agency that's tasked with investigating most of their misconduct, when it's physical misconduct, pretty much all of it, has uh, 20% of their staff open. You really couldn't make this shit up. You really couldn't do that. It's unbelievable it gets to that, gets to that right, that we're sitting with COPA with 21 positions. Something is going on, and one of them has to be related to pay. I just don't understand how it could have that many open positions. It's not functioning well. We know that. It never really has. Um, and once again, I believe I got told by an alderman, the original, well, the original chief administrator was Sharon Fairley. She left because the Black Caucus pushed her out, and they got um, Sydney Roberts, who was horrible. And I, I've gotten told, I didn't watch the hearings, but I've gotten told from alderman that she has also said, 
at the budget hearings that she didn't need more money. That's not your job. Your job is always more money. Let the city council and mayor not give it to you, but you always need more. That way, when something happens and you don't have to, and something, some scandal happens and you don't have the resources to do your job, you got to blame someone instead of us blaming you, which is what should happen. This person should be fired. Who is it? Andrea Kirsten should be gone. She won't be gone because the reality is she's doing Lightfoot's bidding and Lightfoot loves it. This is how these things operate. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back Wednesday, 12 p.m. Central. Same bad channel. I will see you then. If you got um, any ideas for guests you want, we got a bunch of interviews. We're in the process of scheduling. So either later this week or all of next week, we'll all be, the shows will all have interviews. We're trying to get public defender, uh, had public defender on. Who I'm freak on his name. Um, we're trying to get Deborah Witzberg back on from Deputy Public Safety Inspector General's office, and we're getting someone from the Brennan Center for Justice in New York on also. So all three of those are in the process of scheduling. I will um, see you back here Wednesday at noon. Thank you. Uh-huh.